Hey, welcome to episode 47 of the Thodcast, conversations about animation. It's been a little while since our last uh, entry, but um, it's been crazy busy holidays. But today, of course, an extra special subject. Um, I know our last couple episodes were all themed around Frozen, a uh, particular fandom, very special to us here on the Thodcast, but uh, also very special to us is what I would say is my first love as a fan, Star Wars. And uh, yeah, today I'm joined by my brother from Minnesota, uh, Dawson. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's good. I'm excited to talk about the last Star Wars movie ever made <laughs> and on this very special episode of the Thoughtcast, the second biggest movie of the year after Frozen 2. That's right. Well, our first <laughs> episode of the Thoughtcast was a Star Wars episode. We talked about Star Wars Resistance. Um, That's so right. Kick things off with, yeah. with the wars and the stars. That's right. Talking the wars. I'm your host, Philip Elke, coming to you from Hollywood. And uh, yeah, back into the swing of things after all the holiday craziness now in the month of January. Uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of go straight through on this recording. I don't have a whole lot written down, but I can talk endlessly about Star Wars. In this Who can? You yeah. can find thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of Star Wars discussion anywhere you turn. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Well, hopefully you'll find an inviting and insightful new perspective here as uh, everything is filtered through our um, yeah. crist crystalline lens on the Thoughtcast. Uh, Come on into our cantina, pull up a cushy chair, brush mm -hmm. aside the beaded, the beaded curtain entrance, sit down, have a ruby bleels with us. Let's talk about one of the most beloved <laughs> franchises of all time, Star Wars. The, uh, <laughs> the cantina of my ice palace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, Disney's I, Ice Palace for the Disney, Canteen Hour. Our Disney overlords do endorse this conversation. Not. Nice Disney. You're a real pop. <laughs> um, <Not some> mouse. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I had two things written down. Well, what did you write so, down? So Frozen, Frozen was iced last night, uh, pun intended, at the Golden Globes. Unfortunately, they did not win Best Animated Feature. Or, oh no! Who did? No, uh, missing Link. What do you think? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't I, have an opinion on this at all because I, yeah. like, I, it's really—it's yeah, right? of course. No, it's easy to look at Missing Link and say this is the creative, indie, ambitious, like not mass-produced animated product. Well, it doesn't mean it's a great movie. I, I don't know. So I did, like I appreciate, of course, everything that like it does. But mm -hmm. I was I wild about Missing Link? No. Yeah. Um, I, I, am I, I wild that. about Bigfoot movies? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was Frozen Two, uh, amazing. I mean, it it was. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of animated pictures this year. Mm -hmm. um, well, the yeah, the nominations were Frozen Two, Toy Story Four. How to Train Your Dragon, oh, The Hidden yeah. World. And oh my gosh. Oh, well, okay. I've completely, okay. Yeah, it was a huge year for yeah. animated sequels anyway. And The King. I would have said, oh, they counted that. Huh? Um, Toy Story 4 would probably have been my pick. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I get missing link for the craft. It took like five years to make. So did it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it took five years to make it. It's boyhood. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, uh, you know, Disney. It's, you know, it's not huge. You know, it's like so by extension, Nike. <laughs> but oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's how that company stays solvent it's like i think operated by the son of the founder of nike oh that's um, really so, fun yeah yeah it's i mean it's based in portland um so hence the nike connection um i mean that, that's they probably don't want that to be the most public information but people have got to start wondering how leica is able to keep making movies yeah. when their movies are so ambitious and yet like box office returns are so <laughs> dismal yeah. um, well, that's how the the world used to run there would be the artists would have their wealthy patrons yeah um, and you know keep them running keep the opera houses open mm -hmm. uh, and that's uh so that's fun i'm not surprised that out there there's like, hey we're a huge shoe company but guess what i'm also passionate about animated film so here's mm -hmm. some here's some dough go make uh go make a bigfoot movie starring well, Hugh jackman and the other nomination was Best Original Song, Into the Unknown, uh, in a motion picture. Uh, the winner for that was Rocket Man, uh, by, uh, which I, not an original song. has an original song in it by Elton oh. John and oh. Bernie Toppin. Oh, you were uh, saying the movie Rocket Man. Okay, I thought you were like, Rocket Man, the song that we all know and love, <laughs> won Best Original Song this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna love me again is the song. I I couldn't hum it for you, but I'll have to listen to that. Uh, but anyways, getting frozen updates out of the way. Um, but yeah, talking the wars. I I okay. So I wrote down two things. What'd you write down? Pirates of the Caribbean three and Game of Thrones. Um, so that Ooh. might inform our our conversation here. That those are some really stirring little um wells of i'm sure that i, I yeah yeah <laughs> okay yeah that's that gives there's a lot that maybe I, maybe i'm picking up what you're laying down but um well yeah and elaborate so those were two controversial uh sort of conclusions to major franchises and um in my take on both of those is that i certainly felt the diminishing returns uh, from both of those, but and and I understand a lot of people do feel the same way about this new trilogy from Star Wars, the uh, the sequel trilogy. I think has has garnered a similar reputation to maybe these two other franchises. Right. Um, There's a lot of franchises. It's easy to to look at them and say like these just oh, they're easy to compare, or a lot of people find them easy to compare. Yeah, I am totally inverse from this though where i got full body chills on numerous occasions during both of my viewings of star wars episode 9 the rise of skywalker so i am not with the crowd that doesn't get this film uh so that's partly why i'm so excited to talk about it great because i i'm fully willing to defend this film uh but I understand, Dawson, you maybe didn't feel as much. <laughs> oh, well, I definitely didn't get chills. I didn't get, I didn't get a, a tingle up my leg or anything. Mm -hmm. or, 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 I mean, I, I, always get, I always get chills 
Mm-hmm. Anytime I sit down in a theater and I know I'm about to see a Star Wars movie. Oh, that makes sense. And then Lucasfilm shows up. And then it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I'm like, I, my heart and soul is, is, is there with the force in that moment. And then the big Star Wars shows up. This was the first movie that no one clapped when that happened, uh, that oh. I've been to in theaters. Um, and then I saw the words, the dead speak, exclamation mark. And I lost my mind. <laughs> I laughed so hard uh-huh. and I was not alone. Like half the crowd just erupted uh-huh. in laughter because this image in my mind of an old monster movie from, you know, the twenties or something, mm-hmm. just, the dead speak. It's like, I wasn't expecting that from Star Wars, but that's, that's a whole. It's very pulpy. Like, yeah. Um, so no, to your point. Um, so the long story short of my, feelings about the rise of skywalker mm-hmm. is that they're mixed mm-hmm. um and an interesting anecdote i guess is i was hanging out with some boys the other night and we were talking about um the rise of skywalker among other things mm-hmm. and they and one of my friends mentioned uh his viewing party of the eighth season of game of thrones mm-hmm. um and i think especially the last episode and he and a bunch of other there's a bunch of people there and most of them were all looking around at each other, totally vibing, totally on the same page, which was like, this is wrong. This is not right. This is like, what's going on? This is terrible. We all feel really gross about this or like mm-hmm. just they, they weren't liking it. But there was one person mm-hmm. who was fully engrossed, mm-hmm. loving everything that was happening. And that's with all things. I, I've been thinking a lot about this is just like we all have to keep that in mind when we want to talk about art or media or entertainment, which is people have different personalities. Mm -hmm. People have different perspectives. People have different intelligence quotas. Not that that's necessarily (laughs) relevant, but I mean, and we all take in um, stories differently. I, I mean, every single individual and that's fine and there's nothing wrong with that and i guess how i've kind of developed is it because like you know the the day came where eventually like there was something that i loved so much but then i heard someone say you realize that's a bunch of crap like that thing that you really love and think is amazing like horrible (laughs) and i was like what how like and it's shocking it shakes it sends you into cognitive dissonance and you have to figure out why and i and that's just like as people grow up and they i mean that's of the maturing process is you know is thinking through like what you believe and why you believe it or like what you how you assess things and there are a lot of different levels to assessment so anyway like with and that's maybe a whole lot of meandering but what i try to remember and because just being respectful and being kind is so important in 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 any time there's going to be a discussion around something that people are really passionate about because that's i mean the only the only there are people who don't care about Star Wars and then that's fine. And they're kind of mm-hmm. exempt, I guess, from all this mess. But most people, a lot of people are very passionate about specifically Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. one of the greatest watershed uh, films, series of all time, mm-hmm. um, has millions of fans anyway. And yeah, just that like, so I, I like to have my, I, I see a film, take it in. I have feelings. I have opinions. There, it's all this, this like boiling pot of subjectivity and then i like to step back and then like yeah what are people saying what do people think do i agree with it do i not agree with it and i think i have like 
I have a lot of different layers now mm -hmm. of, of how I feel about things. And maybe that's, maybe call me wishy-washy or that like I lack conviction. Um, but I like thinking about things this way, which is like not everything is straightforward and mm -hmm. um, there's, there's, there's a lot going on. And um, yeah, so that's my, that's my long ranty monologue about just how to approach discussion in the first place. No, I, I like how you can have multiple facets to how you absorb things and uh, process, you know, appreciate things. It doesn't just have to be, I like this or I don't like this. Um, I don't, I, with the- And we're all within our yeah. right too, you know, like if someone, you know, I'm not, if you can purely not like something mm -hmm. if you want to, and you Certainly. can purely like something if you want to, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Henry Cavill recently had great words about this. The internet fell mm -hmm. in love with him. He was defending fans in an interview. Did you hear about that? Was this fans of, DC Comics or The Witcher? They were, uh, the interviewer, I believe, I only saw a snippet. I believe he was asking, talking to him about fans in general overall, mm -hmm. but specifically Witcher centered. And he's like, so how do you deal with, you know, there's this big culture on the internet or whatever, fans who are like, they really are like either they're harshly critical or they mm -hmm. sometimes, where he's like, doesn't the fandom sometimes get toxic? And then Henry was like, Mr. Mr. Cavill, like my good pal Henry. He was like, I, <laughs> I don't like, seeing them that way and i think it's too quick we're too quick to call fans toxic when he's like what i see is passion mm -hmm. everyone who loves a book or loves a video game has an idea in their head of what they want to see and how things should be and the internet gives us a platform we all get to voice our own opinions about mm -hmm. you know what we want and then pockets and circles of agreement and disagreement emerge and he's just like fans have every right to be critical that's we have freedom of thought freedom of speech and Mm -hmm. And that's fine. And he, and he likes the passion. Um, and uh, yeah. So instead of mm -hmm. seeing things as, as like toxic all the time or mm -hmm. whatever, seeing it as instead a passion and investment and engagement. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was a nice perspective. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would just encourage everyone to be as respectful as possible when engaging on these sort of sensitive subjects at times when when you are dealing with heavy amounts of passion but also yeah uh, also don't necessarily get offended either uh, right when you're talking about uh superheroes or or movie you know yeah, um, that's the thing it's like you, <laughs> man all this mm -hmm. all this intense passionate mm -hmm. heated debate over something mm -hmm. over a movie you know <laughs> of course you and i both yeah. know star wars is more than a movie um yeah. I would say now I've I've started to see them mm -hmm. more as just movies. I, I at least I definitely see this trilogy more as like my my starry eyed like super wistful uh, is that the right word? I don't know. Yeah, seeing Star Wars as this enlightened god tier like entity has, yeah 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 as seeing star wars as an entity has changed for me i now see them as films. Uh, the original oh, trilogy yeah. is like this is this magic untouchable thing for mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. um and i definitely love like all things star wars but my whole they're just they're just movies at the end of the day at least i've kind of i've come mm -hmm. down from seeing them as something more to something yeah i mean less but not yeah. bad I, I think that goes to the multifaceted view of things. You can view them as this sort of institution of American culture and, and global popular culture, or, you know, just as, you know, as a film viewer or as a cinephile, you know, take them piecemeal as, 
as films, um, which I, I like to do as well. I mean, I consider myself, I like to fancy myself a, a cinephile. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I wish I could. You know, I just don't watch enough movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I've watched quite a few, um, at least new ones. There's certainly a long list of shame in terms of a backlog that I have to get to, but <laughs> um, you and me both. Yeah. But um, I, I do have a hard time also being unbiased when it comes to certain things uh, in Star Wars. Well, we all, yeah, of course, we're all, um, we all have our biases. We can't and, escape from it. And, and yeah, I do feel like very immersed when I watch a Star Wars, <laughs> whether <laughs> it, it be, you know, a prequel, a spinoff, um, a, See, you know, sequel film, you know, the originals, of course, I've always loved immensely, uh, even if they were, you know, all made well before I was born. Um, but, you know, I, I get chills watching, you know, people make fun of the prequels, you know, Attack the Clones. I mean, there's moments in that film where I'm, I'm really into it. And, you know, yeah, that's it, you know. Uh, and and same with these, the, you know, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I've, um, you know, I don't have any real qualms or disagreements with these films because as I was watching them in the movie theaters, I just felt immersed. And you know, I, I, you know, to sound kind of hokey, I I could feel the Force. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice, you know, just in terms of like having that sweeping feeling of uh being captivated by this you know epic uh ambitious storytelling um you, you really only get from something like a, a star wars film well and i and i didn't i kept yeah. being taken out of the experience mm -hmm. and uh ambitious story i i would have appreciated if the ambition of the storytelling had been put at the forefront of the whole project that mm -hmm. my my kind of boil down opinion on the whole new trilogy is i wish they had an arc planned for the whole series ahead mm -hmm. of time i wish they would have taken longer to write it to think about it to have all the ideas on the table and really fine tune and make something beautiful because obviously star wars is a monolith i don't envy the pressure that they had on them mm -hmm. to try to live up to that that was going to be a difficult task no matter what Mm -hmm. um, and I also wish, uh, if they're going to do three trilogies of movies, I wish it would have followed, um, I wish it would have gone kind of like this. You have the prequel trilogy, which is the dissolution of the Republic. Then you have the original trilogy, which is revolution and the restoration of the, of the Republic. And I wish the third trilogy would have been preservation of the, mm -hmm. of the Republic. And the, we, we lost something, we got it back. How do we keep it? Rather than we're starting right back over, there's a resistance, there's a first order. It's just rebels and empire all over again. I'm not saying that's, you know, I understand that can work. Um, but, you know, a big, you know, comment about Force Awakens and, well, and it's the funny, the, the discussion about like, oh, because either way, it's funny, either way, mm -hmm. a lot of people see this as like, it went wrong. Force Awakens, people are like, this is just a retread. We've seen this all before. This isn't interesting. This isn't original. It's not exciting. And then Ryan Johnson's like, okay, I'm going to mess with all of that. I'm going to give you nothing you expect. Everything's going to be completely upended. And that didn't get a great response either. But of course, there are fans mm -hmm. of both films. Um, and yeah. then Rise of Skywalker, here we were left with, we didn't, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know what we were doing along the way. Here's <laughs> something to try to 
wrap it all uh-huh. up. I, I have answers to all of those things. And I like your putting it in perspective of um, kind of classifying these trilogies according to their purpose, uh, viewing them as sort of these more cohesive chunks. Um, and and yeah, wanting to sort of define the sequels as being about preservation or or something a bit tonally coherent. And I, I think that, it, you know, to me, it's successful at that in that um, we are given finally in the in the Rise of Skywalker, the underlying uh, conflict of the entire sequel trilogy, which I thought was maybe a little flimsy from the start. Uh, you know, Force Awakens is a fun movie, it's very thrilling, a, a wonderful throwback to the uh, practical visual effects style of the original trilogy. Yeah, there's so much great going on in The Force mm-hmm. Awakens visually yeah. as a direction that we were excited for, you know, what was to come. Yeah, well, some of the problems I had with that movie included the, the world building. It seemed mm-hmm. like an odd choice to have this setup where it's like a quasi empire. You don't get to know much about the Republic, even though, you know, a lot of the galactic politics had played such a large role in previous films. I mean, an immense role in the prequels, of course, which was a controversial move. Uh, and then, you know, you, you still had a pretty clear perspective, I think, on things during the original trilogy, not necessarily too clear but a lot of it was um kind of squared off in supplemental material and that's the thing with star wars there's always so much expanded universe material spin you know things that you will be told about in you know guidebooks and visual guides you know um and and i'm fine with having to rely on on some of that uh material to inform just you know basic like <laughs> ancillary yeah. details about I think them. yeah I think there are a lot of things in the expanded universe mm-hmm. that uh, there's like echelons of expanded universe mm-hmm. of like what of like how well known something is or how accepted it is even if it wasn't in the main films like there are mm-hmm. there are more popular expanded universe and more well known expanded idea uh, expanded universe ideas than others mm-hmm. um I think probably probably starting with the Zon trilogy and a lot of things that that established I, yeah. I think a lot of people are familiar with that idea well I was worried that JJ Abrams was going maybe a little bit too cookie cutter with the conflict of the resistance versus the first order uh, yeah uh, I, I completely agree and I want to say quick uh mm-hmm. about um Force Awakens uh I loved it and when I saw it in theaters, I saw it several times in theaters. And then before I ever even got into this like new age of like thousands of uh, just internet YouTube criticism and mm-hmm. like that world of YouTubers who talk ad hoc, ad ad nauseum, <laughs> ad nauseum, yes, about things. Um, mm-hmm. Some of whom I enjoy and I do like to watch. But before mm-hmm. I knew about any of that world, um, the first time I watched Force Awakens on a TV, not in the theaters, I was mm-hmm. watching it with my friend Michael. And we both were like, why, why is this not as good as we remember it? Um, I was watching, I was like, this is kind of boring or kind of like, not, not great. I'm like, mm-hmm. not, it was weird. It was, and I didn't, wasn't expecting to, I was like, we were all excited. We we're like, oh, remember how great Force Awakens was in theaters? Have you seen it since? Let's watch it. And we put it in 
And I was like, in theaters, I would have said that was a nine out of 10. I'm definitely feeling some seven vibes right now. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't fully sure where that, you know, I, I didn't. And then I, we talked a lot about it and had reasons for why that was and everything. Um, uh, you mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Yeah. I was in sixth grade when I saw that movie and I yeah. knew it was terrible. <laughs> I, no internet critic needed to tell me the, that Pirates of the Caribbean 3 was mm -hmm. bad um, for, you know, whatever. So like, I'm not, that's kind of a, yeah. not that anyone's ever accused me. It's like, you only have the opinions you have because you listen to those armchair critics. And it's like, no, like I, Mm -hmm. I like I form all my opinions and then I like check in with what people are saying online and then I just yeah see what, what points I like and what which ones don't resonate with me that was a movie like I was you know three grades above you I guess so ninth grade I guess um and like I was hugely anticipating that movie oh um, my gosh yeah. you know Pirates of the Caribbean was my favorite series when it in its time in its mm -hmm. time for sure that first one a masterpiece the second one i enjoyed oh. in the theater so well so and it was just going to be a quick wait for the third entry you know it was, it was less than a year between the second and third movie uh, but the third one came out i you know just like walked out of the theater being like ooh, sad a mess yeah i was really sad it was the last day mm -hmm. of school i saw it on the last day of school and i was like crestfallen because mm -hmm. i just wasn't sure what happened and why was there a giant woman who turned into crabs? The preview said that all the, the brethren court was going to have this massive pirate fight, but they never fought. It was just the two ships in a maelstrom. They did nothing. The brethren court was so pointless and stupid. And, and every live action movie from Walt Disney Studios has followed the same formula ever since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Which is Fair. why they're all two. Except Tron uh, Legacy. I, I, I will defend Tron Legacy. I like Tron Legacy. Yes. I yeah. didn't. I didn't know there was strong feelings about Tron. Legacy. No, it's it's generally well regarded. I don't know. Is Tron worth having like a like a rabid fan base? <laughs> there are two films. That's it. I mean, I have strong feelings. Yeah, but yeah. I, I wish feelings were stronger so that I would get a, a you know third installment. But yeah, that might still happen. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So uh, on the flip side of Pirates Three. Like I, I, I love Force Awakens. Um, I enjoyed Last Jedi. Gave me all the feels, you know, in the theater. But I, you know, it was controversial, and I could see how maybe the wheels were starting to kind of come off in the same way that they did for Pirates of the Caribbean. And so, going into the Rise of Skywalker, I, I had sort of tempered all of my expectations. I, same. Yeah, I wasn't really. And the previews didn't provide much, which mm -hmm. wasn't a bad thing, honestly. I'd, I'd rather previews be vague, <laughs> so I, I know as little as possible going in. But like the idea of the emperor coming back, I was like, eh, that sounds fine. Eh, yeah, okay, like <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and yeah, I mean, I, that was probably something that should have been a little more pre-planned from the start, uh, but, I, I guess as everything unfolded in The Rise of Skywalker, everything from this new trilogy began to sort of make sense and fall into place. And I understand that it wasn't designed to be as preordained as you know, The Rise of Skywalker had to set out to make it feel. But um, to me, I think J.J. Abrams and, and his, uh, his 
writing partner with Terry. What's his name? Uh, Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio. Batman v Superman, Dawn That's of right. Justice, which I, I decided to ignore that <laughs> detail, like to temper my expectations. Yeah. I'm like, I wasn't going to say the fact that that's who that is means one way or another that that's good or bad. Well, was it just Batman v Superman or did he also do Justice League? I don't know. And in fact, okay. the name rings a bell referring to Pirates of the Caribbean, but that's, that's Terry, Terry. Yeah, Terry Ross. Terry Ross. Terry Rossio. Terry Rossio. And no, Chris um, Terry. Okay. <laughs> the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've. I should know their names offhand. Those pirates writers. Chris they, Chris they Elliott and Terry Rossio, I think, are their names. Okay. Anyway, the the writers, they're like a long time writing duo in Hollywood. Um, but uh, and then yeah, so I I thought um, JJ and Chris did a good job of like excavating a connect the dots sort of uh, plot for for this this final installment that that didn't make me just kind of throw up my hands and resignation like i i was involved in what was going on because i i liked the idea of introducing the you know uh, emperor palpatine as an, an inextricable crucial element to the star wars saga or the skywalker saga i thought that was a very smart move and i was on board from that moment Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I think that might have been what a lot of people had a lot of trouble with with this film. Yeah, I because you have like people who like The Last Jedi were annoyed. They're like, we like you just brought you, the main reason to bring Palpatine back mm -hmm. is as a like butts and seats tactic. Or mm -hmm. this is all we like. We need we need a new villain. We need someone big. It's like, how what are we going to do to garner interest, garner revenue to like get mm -hmm. Star Wars fans and whoever excited about we need. We need Ian McDermott. We need that wonderful performance. We need that character. And the, the greatest threat in the Star Wars universe has always been him. And, you know, I can see I can see a universe where having him planned as being the main villain from the beginning is maybe a good idea or mm -hmm. could have worked better. But there was that specter of they pulled this out of a magic hat that was kind of looming over the whole thing for me. Um, I mean, ever since I heard that he was coming back because mm -hmm. Vader saving his son, chucking the Emperor down into the exploding Death Star is just such a, it's such, it's such narrative perfection, mm -hmm. poetic perfection. So it's like, I, like that, I didn't want to see the Emperor come back for that reason, but I was ready to see what they had in mind. And there's so much, there's so much discussion about what it, like, I mean, people still aren't even sure how it works. Because the movie doesn't really explain how it worked. Like, is that a claw? Yeah. Or is that a, or is that him? I mean, it's they're like, oh, he looks like a corpse. He's missing fingers. They would have you believe that is the Emperor Palpatine that we threw down in the tunnel. But if people wanted to have a different explanation, they could. It's kind mm -hmm. of a there's some kind of mad libs you can do with the whole Star Wars thing. And about mm -hmm. your your point about connecting the dots. So I'll say this. I haven't said this yet. I don't know why it's taking me so long, but like mm -hmm. I enjoyed the experience of watching The Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. There is so much delightful imagery, the performances, the characters were fun to watch on screen, to watch them interact with each other. I, I, there's a, I, like, I enjoyed the breakneck pace going from one thing to the next, to 
the next and oh, they need a dagger and they need a wayfinder and now the they to find the, the thing to get the thing and the mm-hmm. and it, i like there were I, mean, I like the lightsaber fights i liked harrison ford showing back up in that emotional scene with with his son like i i liked all that i liked the powerful imagery of throwing his lightsaber into the ocean even though that might have come in handy later um mm-hmm. you know the, like they i just yeah i had a great time in the theater mm-hmm. uh, but then you know just but all the while like getting kind of like the, there was that part of my brain ticking that was going like is this should that does this does that make does that fall ah should it you know whatever and so i mean I've, I've thought a lot about it i've formulated all many opinions and you know different things but I don't know. Well, I'm also kind of tired of talking about I, I, it. Yeah, no, I, well, and I think the fact that it does leave a lot of things vague, it, it is sort of like the ultimate, you know, refer to your handy dandy, you know, supplemental guidebook uh, type oh, of situation. Oh, yeah, which they should have handed out with t- movie tickets. <laughs> I mean, there were Snokes in a tank. What does that mean? Like, it means everything and nothing like yeah. there were snokes in a tank like okay so clearly it, like- it kind of forces you to just go with it and not overthink and i think people probably ran into a lot of trouble trying to overthink that's not to say though that this wasn't also kind of just a clunky film cinematically which just explains sort of the middling critic reviews um so yeah definitely yeah, there was so much going on mm-hmm. so much that they were they were trying to do a, a uh, mcclunky film uh in yeah. in certain regards <laughs> a mcclunky film mcclunky yeah. uh, and there's uh, now i know why george lucas added that no <laughs> oh he did i don't remember <laughs> you know the, the new line that. from greedo do you hear about that no yeah and the there's disney, a new line from greedo the disney plus edit of star wars episode four which I've watched. I'm a terrible <laughs> fan because I, I didn't know the difference or I, I didn't yeah. catch it. What what does he say? Oh, just before Greedo gets shot, he says McClunky. Uh, after yeah, after Han says to him, Yes, I'll bet you have. Greedo and Gre- yeah, Greedo gets one last yeah line off. <laughs> so he gets the last word and the first shot now? No. <laughs> what does McClunky mean? I don't know. Mc- yeah, I McClunky. <laughs> I think it means something like you On scum. God. You scum. You know, oh. it's it's a insult. You scum. Or, How dare you? <laughs> you swine. Something like that. But yeah. Uh so I mean I as much as I enjoyed the rise of Skywalker, I understand some of the complaints people would have um it it doesn't necessarily function as well as an overall film uh you know last jedi it got all the great reviews but not such great fan response because i i think as a um you know as a film technically it did all the things right you know that a film should and um you know ryan johnson's a sort of prestigious uh filmmaker in you know amongst critic circles and yeah I'm, I'm a big i'm a big ryan johnson fan i have no he was trying to say something you know he it was meant to be uh you know an allegory and you know he there's a lot of poetic symmetry you know that he was trying to invoke and of course fell flat i mean (laughs) well well, you know him trying to uh subvert all the expectations and uh, what a noble goal yeah 
<laughs> and I, I think a lot of that um, paid off fairly well in, at least it did for me in The Last Jedi with Luke coming around, you know, him rescuing the lightsaber this time instead of throwing it away, I thought was a... You know. so, you, so you saw what most people say as J.J. Abrams taking a dump on Ryan Johnson, you saw as like, yeah, I, I, um, this is this is the right or this is this is or like pro Ryan Johnson or what have you. Well, it's playing off of what Ryan Johnson did in an inventive way. I feel it's because doing... I mean Ryan Johnson didn't care what happened next. It, he yeah, had no opinion. Or... It it's an ironic take and providing like the maximum possible poetic inverse of what. Brian Johnson, um, you know, what, what he posed in, the, in his film. And in uh, that being like Luke's sort of abandonment of the force, you know, that whole philosophy, which Ryan Johnson himself. Well, he, I mean, he came around at the end of that movie. Like, he's, yeah, he repudiated that in that yeah. movie, certainly. Um, and then J.J. Abrams doubles down on that in this one. Um, and people are like, why didn't Luke take his X-wing out to go to go meet Ray in the flesh? And well, because his X-wing was underwater, it didn't work. Oops. <laughs> yeah, um, even in like the novelization, or you know, <laughs> refer to your supplemental guide. I, I think that lights that um, X-wing was said to have been uh, beyond repair. You know, ravaged by the the sea and whatnot. So, um, that, that's one pretty way. smelly. <laughs> yeah, like it all had gotten all rusted out. Uh, but I, I also bought when watching Last Jedi that you know that the ship, you know, the X-wing underwater could have been foreshadowing Luke's, you know, escape from the planet. Uh, well, the moment the moment people see the X-wing underwater, yeah. everyone knows or, or has an image in their head of what they want to see and what might be coming, which is the X-wing once it's, again rising rise out yeah. of the water, like in Empire Strikes Back. And of course, he subverted our expectations, and that didn't happen. And Luke Astro projected himself. And, yeah, you know, yeah. And so, that, so I liked seeing that. That was yeah. like a great. That was a. That's one of my. That's a perfect example of how like I enjoyed watching the rise of Skywalker because watching Luke lift his x-wing out of the water that's glorious that's absolutely glorious that's it's star wars but, <laughs> you know technology of sci-fi magic where these ships are made out of this durasteel material that's able to withstand years of harsh environments like you know being underwater or uh being out in the desert with the case of the jedi hunter ship you know still being operational after you know. <laughs> While still being there at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do, In my opinion, it's know. dumb. I, how did they fire it up? Did they have some kind of special, uh, <laughs> maybe, I guess, pose hot wiring skills? Because it could have been like, oh, we need to find Ochi's ship. Where is it? Oh, Lando's got it. Yeah, he and Luke went searching for it. So Lando like, brought the ship to his shipyard on Cloud City and has been doing research on it. Go find Lando. I didn't, you know, it's like... Oh yeah, the ship's been mm -hmm. out in the middle of the desert for years, and it hasn't been scrapped. And like we were doing this investigation, but we just never finished it. You know, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. It's and I guess some sources are saying um, 
Lando had just taken up residence on that planet after. Yeah, what was he doing there? How did he get there? How did he find? I him? mean, I just assumed that he followed, you know, the party, you know, the Daisy and Co. Um, Co. <laughs> Ray, Ray Co, and Co. the face stealer. Uh, and, and, and company, uh, Ray and company, to that planet just to inter intercede with them um, and provide support. Um, but he, I guess he may have just been on that planet already for a significant amount of time. Uh, but whatever, I'll, you know, he was tracking the, whatever that guy's name was, Ho Chi Minh, uh, Ochi. Yeah, Uchi, Kuchi. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I, it was cool seeing him with the crossbow. It was just cool to see. Yeah, him. like that's another perfect example. Oh mm. gosh, Lando with a crossbow. That's so rad. <laughs> but is, rad. is any of this, like, should it, should it be happening? Your, your scientists were so concerned with whether they could. Mm -hmm. They didn't stop any other <laughs> But yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What, how did they even get on the trail of Ochi? Was it the information that Hux handed over to the uh, resistance or? Um, In this moment right now. Yeah, I yeah, the, no the Ochi. I've completely um, forgotten. You see a hologram of him and uh, yeah. I, oh, oh, because they, they, they know they, they need a wayfinder. I, okay. Oh, that's Isn't right. it because Ray's like, oh, I was just reading in this book there's this wayfinder luke was looking for it luke, yeah luke was looking for the wayfinder okay I, but yeah i do have a bit of trouble with like lando being on this desert planet all this time maybe that you know <laughs> was his forte uh, later in life he doesn't seem like the kind of person who would want to be a hermit what yeah what is did lando is he still governor of cloud city what's he been up to what was yeah. his role in the republic hmm. That's, you know, kind of stuff like that, I think would have been fun to see from right from the beginning, mm -hmm. again, with the like preservation idea, you know, the old character, because like, I completely agree that new series doesn't need to be about all those mm -hmm. same characters again, like they don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all excited to see them. That's why we're here, because we love those characters. Um, but we know we need new characters. Sure. But what were the old characters doing? Like what? Yeah. And because they left in such, I mean, what a position to and to begin with is the at last we saw these characters had saved the galaxy mm -hmm. they won the war they win the day and they all you know presumably would go on to hold some office or status yeah, yeah. and i don't know yeah my you know, my head canon is that he just showed up to meet with them on this planet you know to and he was coming from wherever else he had been adventuring or in retirement at the time. Got a really good but. feeling. I should go back to that one planet. I gotta but do. Leia told him to, you know, meet with Ray and and uh, Finn and Poe and Chewie. Um, but you know, we'll see. You know what he could have just been Wikipedia there. says. Like, like Lando could have been on no, uh, sorry, been there as in like he could have been on the forest planet where the rebels all were, and they're like, oh, yeah. you need a wayfinder. Luke and I were looking for one of those. I know yeah. just where it is. It's you back on Cloud City, an Ochi ship, which we've had, uh, you know, because we took. I've, I've been ship. keeping an eye on it. Yeah. I've been keeping an eye on it. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I've got a, I've got a wayfinder right here. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we see that planet Pasana, it's all festive, but apparently that only happens once every 42 years, 48, uh, 48. I, well, 
Maybe they have other festivals in the meantime. Those aliens are <laughs> bloody disgusting, but the festival looked fun. Like I yeah. love the I love the costumes and, mm -hmm. and the vibe of it. It was a good time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but what else? The why didn't Lando show? You know why? Why didn't the galaxy show up in the time of need and desperation? How easy is it to get from one place to another in the galaxy? You know, and how easy is it for the entire armada of the universe to get to Exegol when? with the whole wayfinder situation why, why do you have to approach that planet from one specific like direction one entry point yeah <laughs> it's like space is you know you're dealing with three dimensions uh it's kind of hard to block off an entire route to a, a solar system and yeah i mean but not in like kylo ren no like i i understand i get the like what if there's a planet that you can only get to like in a really specific way it's like okay there's mm -hmm. an idea but explore that how does that work and what we see in the footage is kylo ren swimming around this red space cancer but beyond it is clearly open space it mm -hmm. it's really strange um yeah yeah it doesn't really make sense that your macro process of navigating to a planet you know via hyperspace or whatever would, would involve having to make these you know very up close and personal maneuvers in real space with like weird uh obstacles you know um, sort of asteroid-esque things yeah. sort of <laughs> was the idea that everyone has to go on that crazy loopy path in order to get there well what about all those that star destroyer fleet? giant all, ships you know, yeah they just get you know <laughs> Maybe they're armored well enough to be able to withstand you know, these, you know, kinetic impacts that they might sustain. Well, they may be entirely <laughs> force conjured ships, so that's we we don't know there. And yeah. again, like another thing that is, yeah, like, like as if they've just been manifested from the raw materials that exist on Exegol, like the Emperor's <laughs> conjured star destroyers. Hold on. When you use a word like conjured in Star Wars universe, you need to be real careful. Are you being literal or, or what? Like, yeah, I, I don't I, think I, we're meant to believe they were manufactured in the traditional shipbuilding sense that in fact they were like 3D printed essentially using the force. I can't stand <laughs> that idea. I I, I, I'm kind of okay with it because just imagine how big the the universe is in comparison with like us, you know, and, and our human scale. We're just sure. little piddly ants, you know, dancing around. So, and, um, and then, so imagining there's this magic force called the force mm -hmm. and with it, you can do fun things. You can push objects, you can pull objects, you can jump really high and you can create an armada of thousands of star destroyers um, and have them all be not mere illusions, but fully functional, fully armed and operational. Uh, and it's, if you can do that, what else can you do? Yeah. What? What's going on here? Help. The, this is not the force. <laughs> I have come to know and love and I, you know, what, this, what, this... what the force should be is a whole, that's a discussion that's long. I don't want to get into it. Cause like, Personally, I've always just, mm -hmm. I loved the force as it is in the original trilogy and the prequels to an extent where it's like, there are beings called Jedi and Sith, or, you know, there are force sensitive beings who can wield this power. And it has its limits, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, 
Yoda is the greatest Jedi master we know of. And he mm -hmm. closes his eyes and very slowly lifts a ship out of the swamp. And it's like, oh, wow, with the force, you can lift a ship like that. Mm -hmm. That's radical. Or like, and if you're super evil, you can cast lightning. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> radical. And so I can't, and I never really was sure if like upping the ante, is upping was upping the ante for the force something that the new makers wanted to do just because they had the technology and they could or was it a really like this is when they said the force oh, this is a movie called the force awakens what we're gonna do is like what you thought was the force oh boy oh boy just wait you ain't seen nothing yet we're gonna do such crazy stuff with the force it's gonna blow your yeah. mind like well i yeah i think kind of like how darth vader said the ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the force which is you, and you take his word for it yeah. because it's but in in a spiritual sense mm -hmm. that's true uh, you know I, yeah mixing the temporal with the spiritual gets tricky yes mixing the mechanical temporal practical mm -hmm. with the which is what made the star wars universe so interesting to me in the beginning was like that that divide Mm -hmm. like in harry potter the difference between the wizarding world and the muggle world like mm -hmm. voldemort was never gonna like create an army of death eaters he had to find yeah. and recruit death eaters, you know kind of a whatever and, but, and spiritual themes are kind of like catnip for me I, I do enjoy exploring a lot of esoteric subjects in art and film um but you know i i also am huge fan of keeping things as grounded as possible within that context as well and and like viewing star wars as hard sci-fi if you want to or you can view it as fantasy if you want that's to. so interesting about the original trilogy is like is i was thinking about that today too like you could have gone star wars could have Star Wars could have looked like Masters of the Universe or something if it mm -hmm. wanted to. You know, you Darth Vader shows up and he's in this black armor and robes and then cut to the scene where the Imperial officers are all meeting. They could have all been wearing capes and masks and like spoken in evil accents yeah. and voices about controlling the universe. But no, it cuts to this very believable, realistic looking. These are just these are military personnel. These are military officers like they're running an empire. It's such a, that scene in New Hope with the officers, it's one of my favorite scenes of all time. It just establishes such a grounded, believable, realistic World War II era, you know, world that is recognizable. And then- Yeah, you could have been watching yeah. a Star Trek movie or something, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Very grounded sci-fi, you know, a, a take. And, but I, I also like the idea of like, exploring you know the force being this just super powerful thing <laughs> and um you know take it to the limit where after generations of sith have sort of amassed their power in secret and that makes total sense that the sith would prefer to operate in secret that the emperor would have sort of a contingency in place if he were no longer able to be in the public I at, at, at as the head of the galaxy right. know, in the galaxy's politics um, that maybe he would retreat to this place where he's kind of better able to harness, you know, just the most evil, insidious, dark side potential that he can. 
Yeah, 30 years of concentrated forced dark side meditation can produce will produce you. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, you can you can uh, create things on almost like a planet scale. If you're that deep into, you know, the force and specifically the, the dark side of the force. And, you know, a, a Jedi wouldn't want to build a massive armada like a Jedi would have no interest in galactic, galactic domination. domination. <laughs> yeah. So um, and I, I think also it's to be understood that according to the new video game Jedi Fallen Order, the planet that gets turned into Starkiller base is, in fact, Ilum. Did the Jedi home kyber crystal the kyber crystal planet yeah yeah i haven't gotten that far in the game but i've heard that yeah and that actually kind of makes sense uh star killer base isn't supposed to be the size of a conventional planet like earth it's like a moon it's more yeah so you'd think the gravity one where i mean they can create artificial gravity in star wars they can even move planets in star wars they move star killer base across hyperspace so that all that's established Mm -hmm. um because it has to uh, travel from solar system to solar system to suck up, you know, the sun, uh, you know, the suns that it uses to power its its weapon. Um, And and that technology was something that just came about as a result of, like, Emperor Palpatine, like, using kyber crystals to try to, like, build these planet-destroying weapons. You know, Death Star was kind of the first mainstream attempt at that, but also these these other you know weapons that can be easily transported via a capital ship or um, the Star Killer base, which can send uh, blasts through hyperspace. Um, and and there, wow. you also have the <laughs> development of hyperspace tracking. So that was also involved in the process. I, I, you know, it kind of makes sense to me. And kyber crystal, it's this force focusing, you know, force channeling substance that can pro- that probably creates all sorts of weird like gravitational effects anyway. So that maybe makes sense why Ilum, being this tiny little planet, uh, is able to you know, sustain an atmosphere and you know has normal gravity um, for Jedi to go and explore you know, and, and find their lightsaber crystals. It's because of this crazy force concentration that exists on this planet. You know, the, the force m- might just be gravity, you know, <laughs> but just, or, or I guess sort of an amalgamation of all the four types of, the, the force, I guess the, the forces within physics, they're, they're four uh, kinds. It controls your actions, but it also <laughs> obeys your commands. Yeah, exactly. Us, binds Sorry. Us, penetrates us. I'm trying to remember science. Um, oh, but yeah. but yeah, the four main forces within the universe in science. You know, that you've got gravity, you've got electromagnetism, and you've got the strong and weak nuclear force. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm just sort of comparing that to you know, what we find in Star Wars. Um, well, the force is space magic in Star Wars. <laughs> Well, that, I, you know, that it, may, but it, it's I mean, supposed to, as, everything spiritual has a has a physical property to it. You know, um, you know, you accept the force, but it, it is supposed to be kind of realistic where, yeah, we 
you know, even, it is kind of hard for even Jedi to use the Force. And right, which is why the new trilogy is it, it just it goes it gets into, in my opinion, absurd and silly territory with the Force. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it works as a combination of generations, you know, millennia of Sith accumulation of their power in secret and then finally being deposed and just you know destroyed and this is the ultimate well the, but the sith were were wiped out a thousand years ago well they continued to operate in secret two at a time well that's a yeah and that's a good question who is they or who is left who are those force ghosts in that in the antechamber room and they yeah the rule of uh, the rule of two is this weird thing even just on its own i uh, the original trilogy never implied there was a rule of two. It just there happened to be the emperor and his apprentice, and you, you only needed that many physical beings to be able to sort of shepherd this, you know, ma amassing of dark side power, um, and it, that got to the point where one of the. Uh, Acolyte, one of one of the disciples of this power, uh, found himself in a position to being the most powerful uh, entity in in the uh, political entity in the galaxy. Right. So what Rise of Skywalker did is that the Emperor Emperor Palpatine, instead of in the original trilogy just being a very powerful force sensitive force wielder, mm -hmm. he is now the embodiment of all past force souls or dark side souls and spirits and force energy and it's all in him and then the jedi all do that too when they die they all become a big force soul they become kingdom hearts and they infuse with ray and then there's this just this mm -hmm. and that's an idea that's yeah. it's, that's something that's it direction <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i thought it was poetic it was grand um and, you know i could i felt in that moment like when um palpatine's using his lightning to when he say, shocked all the ships i laughed out loud <laughs> I, I mean i thought that was cool i mean i oh, it was gorgeous i was and like glorious yeah. and he's it's palpatine laughing and casting lightning up into an armada of star destroyers i mean what's not to love it's it's just just delightful but i was on the edge of my seat yeah. i was very far pressed back in my seat but well and when ray was finally hearing from the jedi like that was a powerful moment for me too like i i was right with her do you wish they would have appeared as force ghosts? Um, I've, I've come across a very interesting Reddit feed, courtesy of my friend Alec. Um, hmm. They, I, I have heard that they had all the actors in costumes and they shot a scene where they form a shield around Ray, but it got cut because of China and ghosts. Um, <laughs> I don't I know think, if any of that's true, but I think it works as just voiceover to sort of minimize the arbitrariness of the people they chose to appear in cameo uh because they didn't work weren't going to show any of the cartoon you know, characters yeah and, and they did use voices of the cartoon characters voices, yes. uh and it's sort of a question as to like what significance these characters would have to ray any more so than any other you know jedi from the you know 
Republic days. Well, emotional and personal significance, none whatsoever. But the idea is that all of the Jedi live in you now. So yeah, they are. and they would have meant something to us. To the so so yeah, <laughs> that it's it would have seemed like pure fan service if you're seeing these characters who who mean nothing to Ray, but you know have importance among the fans. You know, it might as well just show all of the random, you know, Jedi Council and and Jedi Knights that you see, uh, you know, as extras in in the prequels and you know and beyond. Yeah. Well, and that and they maybe could have. I mean, they're going balls to the walls anyway. I, it, you know, would have been fun. Mm-hmm. But I right. Not- I mean, I so fan service. I I I've got a pretty sensitive radar to that. Like. I'm fine with things yeah. being appealing to fans, but if the story isn't there to, you know, yeah, <laughs> to bolster, oh, yeah. then you know it it falls flat. Um, and the story worked for me, and so I was fine with you know whatever they included to um, appeal to the people who've grown up, you know, loving these characters and these stories. Wedge Antilles, his return, you know, <laughs> you could have, <laughs> this yeah. could have been a total dud of a Where's movie. he been? Where's he been? I, I love it. I loved seeing him. It was, made me very happy. But yeah. Where's he been? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they had to go to the core and summon all these people to help, you know, Leia had been on the outs with the Republic anyways. People were intimidated by the first order after star killer base you know unleashed its havoc upon the galaxy no one was in any hurry to you know wage a full military campaign right away after that happened which the last jedi does happen immediately after the force awakens so it makes sense that you know on uh crate they are just kind of left hanging like no we we need time to plan (laughs) you guys are sol and you know the the government is gone uh we here in in the core world everything is just gone (laughs) this first order out of nowhere here they now they have control of the galaxy sure well they they were able to amass their power now we understand because palpatine had so much power that he had hidden away nobody's lying at all he's uh He's the key to it all. Um, Snoke, yeah, he's just like the, these clones. I, I imagine the scarring on Snoke. Yeah, it, it is to make him not sort of nondescript and conceal his identity, according to references, um, but also um, possibly a way to bring out his force potential, it's like scarring and physical trauma is, is a way to enhance somebody's force abilities we've seen in star wars so on the concept art book it said what if there was a guy who like survived lethal wounds <laughs> to show how powerful in the force he was yeah well that's so a, a description applied to darth vader quite often. yeah right i mean the idea was that snoke was a very powerful force mm-hmm. using being and he was the villain of the show because they had no idea what mm-hmm. snoke was or what they were going to do with the series and he he was an emperor him. surrogate sure. and literally that's what he you know he began as a metaphorical stand-in for the emperor and became a, a literal stand-in because we find out he was created 
by the emperor uh yeah so I create this I know. crusty old moldy guy to <laughs> lead my armies yeah. of the first first order i i got dark empire vibes from this movie like the the crazy sith um experiments it was sort of like rick and morty he's just going totally crazy with the types of things you know the macabre things you can do if you're a dark side user and you have no qualms about the sanctity of life or uh, you know ethics <laughs> and yeah in dark empire that's the comic series where the emperor returns post return of the jedi as a clone um, but yeah, I think you were saying he's sort of meant to appear as if his body did survive the destruction of the second Death Star. You know, I don't know if if that's the case, he would have had to have been ushered from the explosion before the actual explosion. I yeah, think, if that's in, the in case, that's terrible. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, my My thought was that, you know, the explosion you see when the Emperor dies is him sending his force essence out into the universe and then that sort of re assimilates on exegol with one of his like clone bodies or something um so we'll I, never know will we well we probably will know you know from <laughs> yeah again refer to your handy dandy guide yeah um, that's I, but but yeah. you know I, i've always enjoyed that aspect of personally stuff. i yeah personally i just i don't care anymore i at all about like mm -hmm. what they want to do with the, the story the characters with what they come up with for the well, video games or what's in the new series I, yeah. I, you know i'll go watch whatever movies they make that are star wars based but there's definitely mm -hmm. a, an amount of like soul investment that just is, is gone from me okay. now um, I, it's it's only enhanced for me, but I am relieved that this was, you know, a conclusive end to the Skywalker saga as they were advertising. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they do go ahead and call one of their future films Episode Ten, I won't complain. But if they never do, I you know I also understand why not just begin a new saga or multiple sagas you know i think the next multi-part series that they'll attempt within the star wars universe will probably be uh, an old republic mm -hmm. uh, style film that's pretty low risk you can do whatever you want with that era yeah um but you never i i would still like to see maybe more from ray and finn you know, I, I, the, the whole chemistry between Ray and Kylo, I, I enjoyed, I, I, I was cool with killing him off. I, th I thought that warranted, you know, the, the defeat of the Sith should have come with a cost and, and that cost included the death of Ben Solo and, and Leia in her attempt to redeem Ben Solo. So that, that worked for me. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you sound so defeated. Well, I'm trying to. I mean, to... <laughs> no. To me, the death of the Sith, the cost of the death of the Sith, was Darth Vader giving up his life. That 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 too. Yeah. No, I I get it. They 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 had to do something though with this trilogy, and they knew they, had, they were going to make. They had to do something. They paid two billion dollars for it. They had to do something. Four four point four million. Zero, oh, four point zero five. Yeah, and I, I they've for the most part done pretty well with that. 
but um, you know, it's not quite the same windfall that Marvel was. So, nope. They they've they've got some, yeah. They, they got to do a bit better job with their Star Wars investment, um, and hopefully, people will warm up to Galaxy's Edge more and more. And I don't know. Is that not doing well? Well, it just didn't do as well as they wanted it to. Oh. Well, Disney World's expensive and not everyone can afford to fly there. So, (laughs) um, what I I need to get going here in the next couple of minutes, but um, Mm -hmm. do you want to go? Do you want to do a quick, like, uh, Mandalorian rating or review? Have you seen all of that? Um, Oh, I've seen all of it. Yeah, I think. Only one of the episodes I've seen, only the first episode I've seen twice, but you know I I retain a lot of it pretty well, you know, because yeah. Star Wars, and it's very good. It, it's well told. I like Mandalorian a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some good, um, just archetypal um, Western storytelling. Uh, transplanted to the Star Wars universe, which I think we've I think all wanted. Works. Yeah, yeah, that works really well. Um, it, it's like the feel that we get when watching, you know, the, that fans got from all the way back in 1977. Space just, Western, just space. Yeah, this this fully realized world, but it isn't our world. Mm-hmm. And it's just imagine what we could do if we could just go to this place and witness everything that goes on because we know there's just so much more happening in the background um and we finally got that chance with mandalorian in in i guess as full a capacity as as we can being live action i like i like that a lot so that's what then if that's what's next for disney i feel like we've got this this universe of star wars and there's more to it than rebels versus empire there's Mm -hmm. the cd underworld and there's the common folk and there's the Mm -hmm. You know, so. One of the actors from Star Wars Rebels I know is kind of heavily lobbying for appearing in a live action, uh, you know, Star Wars spinoff. Who's that? And that's Tia Sirkar, who played Sabine, Sabine Wren in Star Wars Rebels, uh, the Mandalorian. Well, she's girl. like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, I'm a Mandalorian. Get me in on this. Get me in on this action. I, Does she I die think... in Rebels? If she doesn't, I mean. No, she didn't die. Um, she's still at large <laughs> in the galaxy. And she had that Darksaber for a while. She actually gave it back to the leader of her like Mandalorian uh, family. But um, and then it was taken from her by Moff Gideon. Yeah, she's gonna want revenge on Moff Gideon. That dark saber was wild. Moff mm-hmm. Gideon shows up in live action. Jillian's like, oh, "What's that?" My wife and I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh, babe, that's dark saber. <laughs> Never seen a dark saber before." <laughs> my my personal uh, fan speculation slash wish is is that we get to see you know that that actress it, it make the jump from animation to live action i think that'd be really cool she well, she looks like the character she'll get rezzed instead of de-rezzed <laughs> exactly yeah love that um, um also there there was that tease with the character with the uh um sorry my mind's almost fade. the things on your boots the 
Spurs? Spurs, Spurs. I wanted to say stirrups, but oh, that was yeah. always a thing. The boots go in the stirrup, the stirrup goes on. the <laughs> spur goes on the boot. That's right. <laughs> but very Boba Fett-esque when you see that character bend down and he's investigating the dead Ming-Na Wen character um, in that um, gunslinger. That's Mulan, right? Well, she's the voice of Mulan. Yeah, yeah. The, the OG Mulan. She was Fennec, I believe. Like Fennec Fox <laughs> was her character. Fennec. Um, I mean, she might still be alive. Yeah, do we know who that was? Investigating the body of, of Fennec No. Fox? Uh, oh, and, okay. and the sound design for that character was very reminiscent of Boba Fett. So I I'd be totally down with that being Boba Fett. Yeah, I've always been a fan of the idea that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc. Um, I know that there's that's people would be annoyed, I guess, but that that one always made sense. Like the guy's got a jetpack, he's got this Mandalorian armor. I, there was a children's book way back that was like, the Sarlacc can't digest Mandalorian armor. I'm like, why not? That's I'm down. Um, you know, may, hopefully it took a toll or something, or like he just you know down, he blasted his way out gross who knows yeah it, um, it would take a lot of like repression of just of history to keep boba fett dead i i mean and as much as some people might be like oh we're over boba fett he was this minimal character i well, i'm I just, over i'm over the we can bring literally anyone back anytime we darth maul yeah the emperor like fall, falling into a pit of death does not mean you're dead in star wars that's such a cliche now and it's it's annoying that doesn't mean i want i like again like i'd love to see boba fett but there's that yeah, the intelligent part of my brain is saying stop this mm -hmm. <laughs> stop doing this it's better uh, to have stakes you know I, I do like when they're willing to kill characters off especially if yeah. it's uh, you know in an effective way um but yeah boba fett you know has been around as the staple of the expanded universe that he survived the starlight pit so yes. True. It would make sense. The, I, the existence of the show, The Mandalorian, is owed to Boba, <laughs> Boba Fett. Fett. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. Thanks to... for chatting. Um, yes. We'll sign up. Where can people find you, Dawson? Uh, they can find me on my web zone, DawsonElke.com, um, or on Instagram, Dawson Delwyn Elke. Um, you can find me on Netflix. If you're still in the Christmas spirit, check out Christmas Break and starring Danny Glover, Denise Richards, and myself. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Netflix, yeah. Okay. I am not qualified to record a podcast expressing opinions about anything. Uh, so that's my disclaimer there. Um, we'll catch you on the... Uh, uh, when does Mulan, the live-action Mulan, come out? um not too long i i think it's spring right okay good that's my most anticipated disney live action remake that is the only one i'm excited about and and i'm extremely excited about house housekeeping here i the writer yeah. of pirates of the caribbean it was ted elliott and terry ted elliott and not terry Chris Ross, elliott. Yeah. okay and the release date on mulan um just to double check that um is in fact uh what in the world this ad banner for underwater showed up and completely obscured my vision i want to see that by the way <laughs> while you're on the subject march 27th uh 2020 it's mulan so. oh boy you're i presume you're excited to see dynasty warriors brought to the silver to the big screen right 
if it evokes Dynasty Warriors, then I'm all for it. I, well, don't I, the, tra- the trailers do all of everything. <laughs> the costumes, the the red fluffies at the ends of the spears. Oh, so, my gosh. But because <laughs> it is a live action Disney adaptation, I can't help just being a little, you know. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm there. Yeah, but like, yeah. but uh, Mulan, yeah. Mulan is at least if, if folklore. So it's like, you know, it's weird that Disney is doing, but like, no, no, never mind. No, no coherent opinions exist anymore in my head. But. I don't know. Is it going to be PG thirteen? It's probably because it's. I would like know, it to be. Please. Red Cliff is is R, and, and that's probably my favorite, like ancient, you know, Chinese war yeah. movie, and that's a very grounded depiction of ancient yes. Chinese warfare. Whereas this does have a lot of magic. It looks like uh, it might not be overboard though. So hopefully, that's some good old-fashioned sword fighting that would be so great let's hope so anyway all right thank you we'll have see a you around. really lovely day long hogs uh yeah listen to podcasts podcast.com soundcloud apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and uh yeah you all have a wonderful day magical week a wonderful life and warm hugs everyone